The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Sunday, March 15th. We are getting ready for the new league year to begin. It sounds as if it is going to start on time, March 18th at 4 p.m. Of course, the legal tampering window will open up at noon on Monday, March 16th. Teams have uh, right now until 11.59.59 by the 2nd to franchise tag people, and the players have approved a new CBA. The vote was uh, confirmed on Sunday morning, and the deals were leaked all that down because this is what you need to know, the information about the new CBA and how it will impact professional football. Former sports agent, CBS sports writer, good friend of the show, Joel Corey, at Corey Joel on Twitter. Joel, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, we didn't get to – I didn't get to – we didn't – we hadn't hung out in a while. It's been too long. But uh, we get to chat with you about this new CBA. First of all, I'll ask you, were you surprised that the players approved the CBA? Uh, no, I'm surprised the vote was that close because roughly 60% of the players make league minimum or close to it. Everyone's going to vote more or less in their own self-interest. So I thought at least there'd be 55% approval because the owners were smart to basically bribe the rank and file <laughs> with increased minimum salaries. Uh, better benefits and stuff like that since average career is a little over three years. Um, I figured those guys were not going to care what the superstars thought to some degree, but apparently those guys' voices carried a little bit of weight since this thing narrowly passed. Yeah, the final vote was 1,019 to 959. Uh, 79.1% of the players voted. Is that a, were you surprised that number was that low? I probably, I think that's, I mean, 80% election turnout isn't that crazy, but it is voting online. It isn't like you're voting for the president or even in a local election. You're voting on, you know, whether or not the deal that's going to be used for your union. Did you think that number was high, low, just about right? What would you think? Low, because you would think that you don't have to go anywhere to vote and you can yeah. vote online. How hard is that going to take? That takes five <laughs> minutes, presumably. You can order, you can order toilet paper on Amazon or hand sanitizer on Amazon. You can't vote under CBA. Yeah, I don't get it. I thought it would be closer to 90, 95%. So I guess there's some union apathy there. Yeah, maybe so. I know Tom Brady tweeted out, well done, D, 
uh, to Demora Smith after the head of the union tweeted out a an open letter about the new CBA. Where, I mean, you know, a little surprising to see now you hear from Alan Robinson. He says trash, freaking trash. Uh, you know, Stefan Gilmore says four massages a week during the season. Going to have to boost that up to six. And, you know, you just sort of saw varying reactions. Were you surprised to see a guy like Tom Brady come out and, you know, speak so highly of the CBA? Uh, no, not when you put it in the context that he's been undercutting the quarterback market since 2013. <laughs> um, so he's on borrowed time. He's held off father time better than anyone else in NFL history. He's going to be 43 in August, so he wants labor peace because – he says he wants to play until he's at least 45. I'll believe it when I see it because it's sometime father time hits everyone. And for older quarterbacks, we've seen that it happens pretty rapidly. Peyton Manning was humming along and then played the Rams, never the same again. Brett Favre was an MVP candidate. That second year in Minnesota, it looked like he should have retired after the first year. Yep. Um, no, that's a fair point. And like, if they, if this had gone into next, I mean, obviously next season was going to be played anyway, but if there was a lockout, it could have cost Tom Brady maybe his final year or next to last year or something like that. Um, okay. So what, what's your takeaway from this, like from the CBA? I mean, did, did the players get a bad deal as many people are insinuating? No, they got a bad deal in 2011. Um, oh this is a much improved deal from this one, from yep. the 2011 one. But there were areas that I wanted to see improve. Namely, why are you doing a 10-year, or actually 11-year deal, because this thing runs through 2030. Yep. Um, why are you doing an 11-year deal? Um, they're going to be changing economics. Uh, presumably, at some point, people are going to be gambling on sports again, um, <laughs> because there will be sporting events to gamble on. And there will be a new TV deal. Uh, so you're going to have changing economics within the uh, length of the CBA. Most other collective bargaining agreements in other sports aren't this long. Players don't sign 10-year individual contracts, so there should have been some sort of mutual opt-out so things could be reassessed after a few years. Uh, that, that's my biggest issue. Um, I don't necessarily buy the whole, well, if we don't sign this today, there will be no more negotiations because my experience negotiating sports contracts was what you turned down today you could ultimately get back later tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I'm not in the room. Um, I haven't been, I wasn't a part of the negotiation. So it's very easy for me to say that being a backseat driver, um, so to speak. Um, I don't know if, uh, everything was maximized for the 17th game. Obviously, as I said, again, I wasn't in the room, but I would think that the percentage once, it, if it eventually gets to 48, eight, it stops at 48, eight. Um, you can't go up. So you get to 48-8 in three years. You're stuck there mm. for the rest of the CBA. Well, and, and um, for, there should for have just, been some sort of increment, inter, incremental increases after that to me. Yeah, so just so people understand, the 17-game season, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but um, the NFL can move the regular season to 17 games beginning in twenty as early as 2021, which one would presume that they will do it as fast as they possibly can. Uh, I can go – they can add a 14-team playoff beginning, and that's going to start in 2020. There's no reason it wouldn't. And when you talk about the 48-8, what Joel means is the player revenue. So there's 100% of all revenue that is split between the players and the owners, and the players over the course of this deal, as you point up, are maxed out at 48-8. For those that don't know, the players used to be at 53%, and the owners just straight up walked them back into where they were. And now they're that's what makes that 2011 deal so incredible for the owners. And it was in the all-time, like – like, I mean, I guess, I mean, like, 
I don't even know what to call it, but it's like just a, I mean, just an absolute walk back of the union into a spot where the owners wanted it to be, and it set them up for a future deal, right? Oh, yes, it did, because if you walk it back to a point where it's so bad that if you get it to another point, by comparison, it seems better, but because you got so much the last time and played such hardball, it really isn't where it should be because it never should have been walked back to the point it was. But we know one thing, that the players were never going to survive a work stoppage. Last time, they couldn't even uh, get to the point where the owners felt any economic pain by missing at least preseason games. So that, so that's out of the question. You can't even bluff that. It would be a successful work stoppage. And if you've seen in other sports, billionaires always outlast millionaires, even though NBA players have been willing to go into the regular season uh, to miss games. Their contract's fully guaranteed, so it's a different story than NFL players. But that wasn't even an option on the table. You couldn't even, you couldn't even bluff that. Right. I mean, look, you're talking about less than thir- – you're talking about basically 31 billionaires who – I mean, if they don't play football, it's problematic from from increasing their wealth standpoint. But they can ride. I mean, they they could ride it out forever. If the NFL if, if the NFL ceased to exist because players wouldn't play, owners would still be really wealthy and could still deal with it. Um, so what you would have is you'd have all the guys from the AAF and the XFL as replacement players. Yeah, exactly. They just do a season of replacement. At some point, players. at some point, they would do that. At some point, they would try the replacement player stuff they tried in the eighties. I, you mentioned the 17-game season, and like I don't understand why the players didn't take a hard and fast stance on something, something big to get that 17-game season. Like, all right, look, we'll do 17 games. You raise the minimum salary where you talked about, and get rid of the franchise tag. And even like the franchise oh, tag. You, oh, you, you're never getting rid of the franchise tag. Yeah, of course That's not. But I'm just saying, like, like, like something. You There's can't even something. get you can't even get that thing modified. Uh, for the most part, they changed the calculation. Um, from average top five salaries in the previous year to a convoluted version where it's a cap percentage average taken over a five-year period, which actually on whole is better for the players as long as the cap keeps going up. But ownership's never getting rid of the franchise tag. I don't know what concession players could make. We'll play 20 games. Maybe that would do it. But that's one thing that if you told the owners everything is non-negotiable until you get rid of the franchise tag – you would have a long work stoppage. Really? You think so? Oh, yeah, they're not getting rid of that thing because that's that's a great way to control cost. Sure. Um, and because it... let's, let's say you can ever have quarterbacks get on the open market because of no franchise tag. Kirk Cousins is a good, not great quarterback. He got a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Let's say Russell Wilson could have played out his contract and been a free agent this year, I mean um, next year, as, as opposed to um, – having a franchise tag looming over him. Or Dak Prescott right now on the open market, man, those quarterbacks would have fully guaranteed contracts. Some would be at $45, $50 million per year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, other things to note about in terms of the deal that got done, game day rosters go from 46 to 48, practice squad 10 to 12, and relaxed drug policies. Do you think any of those things really benefit? The, I mean, obviously you're going to get – more active players in theory you're going to have more people employed um but the drug policy i was a little surprised they didn't just get like at least get marijuana completely eradicated right i mean like just like let let guys do what they want it does feel like they can still be fined for it so that's sort of a problematic thing well it's it, you can't be suspended for it anymore and you, the testing yeah. window is a lot shorter it used to someone had a sense of humor because the testing window used to start on 420 now it's the first two weeks of training camp 
and the threshold for a positive test went up like five times. So you have to be pretty stupid if you know you're going to get tested in a two-week two window and you can't stop long enough to uh, – and you end up failing a test. That's kind of on you. Uh, but still, it should be out altogether all because as marijuana becomes legal across the country in more and more states, there's no need for it really to be in the policy. I've never understood why you can't have all 53 players on the uh, roster active and why you've needed this active-inactive distinction. Yeah. Why not have everybody active? I've, I've never understood that one. But, hey, that's for a different day. And one thing, you, they've added one more guy who can come back uh, to return from IR, so it's three instead of two. When I first started working in the industry on the uh, player side, um, it was pre-salary cap. It was like 92. And you could be put on IR and come back after four weeks. I don't know why everyone can't come back after some period of time. You know, why yeah. do you have to choose three guys? Yeah, it is a little weird. It, like, it, yeah, I don't get that either. Um, the salary cap jumped up to $198.2 million in 2020. I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess that's, you know, it's a $10 million jump. I was a little surprised it went even more with the new CBA being agreed to. Uh, do you think we'll see something like what we've seen the last few years or is this going to, in terms of how it approaches over the full length of the CBA, or for those that remember from 2011, it was flat for the first couple of years. It looked like the players got a really bad deal because there was no big influx of cash, and then it started spiking. Do you think this climbs $10 million a year moving forward for the length of the deal? Yeah, well, it's going to go up by virtue of the fact that next year the percentage of revenues goes from 47 to 48. Right. But I think part of the reason it didn't go up as much this year, and it's like a 5.2, 5.3 increase, and it went up like six and some change last year, which – was a lower percentage than in the past, is you have more benefits eating up the player's share of the revenue mm. and the increased minimum salary. So that may have been part of the reason because it had been tentatively set at $200 million a couple of weeks ago or because that was assuming that there wouldn't be a new CBA. They put it at 200 So I was surprised it actually came in at 198.2. But I don't think you're going to see it being at like 198.7 with the increase from 11 to 12 um, in 2021, where it was basically flat just because you have the percentage going up to at least 48 next year. Yeah, it was wild to see it. Like, like I mean, that that was a shocker early on, but it was like, you know, they said this new deal. We don't think it's that great. And then all of a sudden it just flattened out. But then, of course, the last five years, it's been, it's been a benefit um, for those guys. Do you think that the cap not spiking? I mean, and teams are pretty good about hoarding cap space anyway these days as opposed to, you know, th- like you just don't see teams – getting in cap hell the way that they used to back in the, you know, 2000, early, you know, the early 2000, late 2000s and early 2010s. Um, do you think we'll see a pretty, well, Hey, how much, how much do you think the salary cap and, you know, for lack of a, the, the Corona factor, uh, will impact spending in free agency? Do you think we'll see a robust free agent market this year? Oh yeah. You're always going to see a robust free agent market in the first couple of days, because that's the first wave of free agency. That's always, a seller's market, then it turns to a buyer's market. And you're going to see some guys where you're going to scratch your head and go, how did he get that? And then you're going to see guys who don't get their money initially and they better readjust their expectations um, sooner rather than later, or they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. But one thing that has helped in terms of not getting in the cap hell is you can carry over cap room from one year to the next, and that's going to continue the Spending minimum period used to be four years. It's going to be three years 
mm. uh, for most of the CBA. It's going to go three, three, and four. But still, that's uh, too long of a window. It really should be at most every other year or every year like in the NBA. Plus, if you can carry over cap room from one year to the next, it shouldn't be based on the league-wide cap. It should be based on your adjusted cap because the way it works right now, you can go cheap, cheap, cheap for three years, and then you can spend like a drunken sailor in year four, and you can hit the 89% minimum. So minimum's going up to 90, but still. Yeah. I don't like the dynamics of how that works, and that didn't really change enough to my liking. Yeah, and to, that's a good point because, like, it also, you know, it just, like, if you're a free agent, it's all about timing. You know, like, you need, I mean, you're going to probably have a suitor or whatever, but if you've got, like, a couple of loosey-gooseys who need to spend their cash uh, in, in a fourth year and you happen to be a free agent, then you're going to get paid. Uh, by the way, speaking of spending freely, it sounds like uh, the Texans have brought back Bradley Roby on a – uh, three-year, $36 million deal. So good for Bradley Roby since he was sort of a cast-off uh, before he ended up in in, uh, in Denver. You, uh, you wrote an article. You got it's up on CBSSports.com, some contracts you would look for for offensive players. Like if you're Tom Brady, what are you thinking? What are you thinking you want Tom Brady to get in free agency? Oh, what I'm asking for and what I'm getting are probably going to be two different things, particularly with Tom Brady given his age. But I'm trying to get $100 million over three years since I want to play till I'm 45 and have the first two years uh, fully guaranteed. Now, if I'm any team, I am not going to uh, do a three-year deal with Tom Brady because I don't know when he's going to fall off of a cliff. So it, most a team should commit to two years for Tom Brady. And assuming he's trying to get money as opposed to undercut the market, and if Tampa's going all in on him, they've got a ton of cap room. They could probably pay him sixty-five over two or whatever, and they won't be, and it won't bother them at all. Right. Uh, what he's not going to throw thirty. He's not going to throw thirty interceptions next year <laughs> as, their, as their quarterback from two thousand nineteen did, assuming he signs there. One would certainly hope that he would not. Uh, what about Dak Prescott? Do you think Dak ends up on the franchise tag, and do you think he signs a deal uh, before the, the year begins? And do, isn't it insane that it seems like the Cowboys are? It feels like they're just trying to get him at 35, like less than 35 million a year, which to me is just crazy. Well, Dallas should have made him a priority this time last year and tried to get him done before Russell Wilson moved, started moving the market. And then you had guys filling in under that, like four quarterbacks, three, four, Wentz, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger coming in under that. So since you didn't make him the priority when you should have, he goes out, has his best year statistically. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but whenever a player incurs successfully incurs the risk of poor performance and injury, navigates that, whatever you he was looking for last year during negotiations, that's obsolete, and you're going to have to pay a premium for that. Now knowing that you're probably going to have to put a franchise tag on him, and, you, and the word is they'll go exclusive, that's going to be about $31.5 million. That's how it projects to you right now. And it's based off the average of the top five salaries at the end of the restricted free agent signing period, which will be April 17th. And by salaries, that's essentially cap number. There are a couple of exclusions. But it's basically the cap numbers of the top five guys. So knowing all of that, you're going to have, probably have to make him the highest paid player because he's looked at it and he's like, okay, we have a running back who does – he's great, had two years left on his contract, held out, is a knucklehead, and you paid him. You didn't have to pay Jalen Smith because you would have been a restricted free agent. Lyle Collins has been paid twice now. I do everything right. Why am I going to cut you any slack? Plus, the whole 
particularly Emmett Smith saying Dak Prescott should take a discount when this guy was a holdout one year and missed two games. Ridiculous. That's, that's really rich to me. And and no other quarterback besides Tom Brady, maybe Drew Brees now that he's old, take discounts. But you're never going to take a discount on your first contract when you haven't made real NFL money. When Dak Prescott's made $4 million in four years, good luck with getting him to take a discount. Now, what I tell the Cowboys is you've got to make my guy the highest-paid guy in every metric right now. That'd be over 110 in guarantees, basically $95 million fully guaranteed, and more than $35 million um, uh, is the average. And it's not going to be your typical six-, seven-year deal. Quarterbacks have been giving up four new years. It's going to be four new years. If you can't do that right now, then you know what? Franchise me, and we can wait and see if Patrick Mahomes gets done. Or, or Deshaun Watson. And if and when they get done, they're going to be more than Russell Wilson. And I know I'm not going to get more than Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to get more than what you pay me now with a Mahomes deal in the market. If he's at 40, then I want 39. So he has all the leverage. Plus, he's probably not going to sign a franchise tender like Kirk Cousins. Most franchise players don't. And if he doesn't sign, he can't show up and participate in anything unless he signs this protection agreement, which franchise players rarely do. So you're not going to see him until July 15th or when the deadline for long-term deals is. So, yeah, he's, he's got all the leverage. So Dallas should just go ahead and capitulate to him now because they're probably going to do it uh, later anyway. I'm with you. I've been saying it for weeks. Pay, just pay Dak and move on. Uh, then you could potentially bring back uh, – you could even de- uh, you know – Maybe do a deal for Amari Cooper. Anything that stands out to you from the uh, from the CBA that we didn't touch on that you that you think to me the the gambling revenues the way that they worded it that's why you do a short deal that's why I need a short deal because you don't know how that's going to be uh, ultimately going to be uh, factored into the equation that's why going through twenty thirty is too long yeah like if you look at it and I pointed this out Jerry Jones can have a Super Bowl party at. AT&T Stadium with a casino, you know, once it's legal in Texas to gamble, um, at a sports book that he builds inside the stadium. And the players are only going to get uh, 50% of the revenue from gambling on that's, or maybe, you know, like throw a master's party because that's out, completely outside the scope of the NFL because any gambling on the NFL would probably qualify. But like, there's just so many little loopholes. People are like, oh, they're not going to do that. It's like, are you nuts? These guys will do anything they can to remove that money from the NFL PA's interest. Well, particularly Jerry, because Jerry, when he first bought the team, was at odds with the Leeds marketing because he would sign his own sponsors to maximize revenue for the for the Cowboys. He has his own clause in the CBA that says, like, Dallas Cowboys marketing is exempt from it. Yeah, that all started because of what he was doing in the early 90s when he bought the team. So, yeah, particularly him. Um, one thing that was interesting to me in the CBA is right now you're paid over a 17-week season. And the players are touting this as a benefit, but now you're getting paid over 34 weeks. Uh, if I'm a responsible person, not all NFL players are responsible for their money. I want my money paid over 17 weeks because I can invest it and make money off of it and suppose, suppose they're having the owners paid out over twice as a, a period, which is twice as long, and they can earn interest on it as opposed to me. There's some players that, if, if, if necessary, you want them to get paid over a 52-week period, but now it's mandated at 34 weeks. Uh, I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't call that a win for players, even though the union was touting that as something that they got. Mm, all right. Uh, 
Anything else that I might have missed from the uh, CBA? You're the. I, 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 did you have you done? Have you read the full thing? I, I I'm not. I'm not. Not the full you. thing. I've read. I've read summaries. It's a 456 yeah. page document. I haven't it's read the so full thing thick. yet. It's it is. So, um, it's so boring. Well, here's something that's also good. That um, now for postseason pay, it's going up. But it used to be if you got a buy during the first round, you didn't get paid. Oh, yeah. So uh, you basically were practicing for free. At least you're going to get paid during that first week. And they've kind of revamped the, how the proven performance escalator works um, for in the fourth year. It used to just apply to third through seventh round picks. Now it's also going to apply to second round picks. The threshold to hit it goes up from a playtime standpoint from 35% to 55%. But there are two escalators where instead of just going to the lowest RFA tender, you could also, if you play enough, get elevated to the second RFA tender. And also, the fifth-year options are going to yeah. change in how they work. They're, they're not going to be based on where you're drafted. It used to be 1 through 10, 11 through 32, had their own um, different salaries. Now, if you go to enough Pro Bowls, then your 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 fifth-year salary will be the franchise tag. Yep, yep. That's, uh, those, are, those are excellent points. All right, uh, follow Joel Corey on Twitter at Corey Joel. Thanks, as always, buddy. Have a... Uh, have a great uh, rest of your weekend. Enjoy the start of free agency, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.